The views and opinions we express in this podcast are our own and do not represent the official position of the Youth in Government Program or the YMCA. Hello, friends. You're listening to Yag and Recreation a podcast that delves into all things related, or semi-related, to the Washington State Youth Legislature. My name is Anna, but I am only half the team here, and this all wouldn't be possible without my brilliantly nerdy brother, James. Uh, That's me. Although, let's be clear. That is you. Let's be clear for the listening audience. You are the better half of Yag and Recreation. I am the better half. That's true. (laughs) Um, We have a huge passion for this program and have had lots of different experiences in it. So we're doing this project to share some of that passion with you. So whether you just enjoy listening to us reminisce about YAG, or you're hoping for some tidbits of knowledge to improve your experience in Youth Ledge, or find something to share with your delegation, we welcome you. Frankly, even if this podcast puts you to sleep, and this is just you settling down for a nice little nap, that's fine with us. We, we're here for you. That's true. So it's been a while since our last episode, and we find ourselves missing the YAG world a bit. Our very cool listener requested some story time. So for the next few episodes, we're going to do just that. Because folks, that's the power you have as a member of this listening audience, is if you just tell us, won't you please do this? We're so darn eager. We're, we'll, we are. we'll make you exactly we what are. you want. You just, this is a, this is an a la carte menu. Just, you just order it up. Yeah, so if you're listening right now and you're like, gee, I'd love for them to talk about this one certain thing, just hit pause, send us a quick email, let us know. Yes. Um, we'll still be here for you after you're done. Um, our email address is yagandrecreation at gmail.com. Yes. Um, so are we ready to plunge back into this? I am. I am ready. Awesome. I think we're going to call these episodes our Getting Back to Yag episodes. Mm. Um, we're going to focus on a single year session Um, and share some stories and discuss what things were like at the time. Um, This first foray into it, though, is going to be really unique and kind of difficult because neither of us were alive at the time of this session that we're going to talk about. Correct. Um, The year was 1962. Uh, It was the 15th session of the Washington Youth Legislature. Um, And James, you are a historian. So can you give us some insight into what was going on in the world and our state back then? Yeah, sure. So just to help listening audience imagine what a teenager might be thinking about um, on their way to youth and government in 62. Um, Seattle, of course, was about to be the host to the Century 21 World's Fair Exposition. In fact, my my recollection is probably by the time Youth Ledge was starting, it would have already been underway. Uh, that would have been a fairly big deal, especially to anyone in the Seattle area. Um it was an awfully tense time internationally. Um, the 62 Youth Ledge is uh, smack dab in the middle of the very brief um, Kennedy administration. So the Berlin Wall um, is being built, is actively being built in 61-62. Um, tension with communist uh, Cuba uh, is reaching a boiling point. It, it won't be until the fall of 62 that we have the actual missile crisis where um, you know, the world nearly goes to nuclear war, but um, certainly that the prospect of that would have felt very real to teenagers um, headed off to Youth Legend 62. Um, the baby boom, um, which launches in 46, 47, you know, children of the GIs who've come home from World War II, um, those kids born in 46 and 47 are 15, 16 years old in 62. So this would have been the launch of the wave of um, the sort of teenage pop culture that really does take over America in the 60s. Um, people already know plenty about the 60s, but just to point out, like 62 really is the, the first sort of crest of that wave um, that really, it would have felt like um, there were teenagers everywhere. Um, and in a hyper-local uh, bit of history, but I just think this is fun, because I, I was starting to think about 62 in Olympia, and I realized, gosh, for students 10 years prior to that, driving to Olympia to the capital would have been totally different than what um, I have memories of, or you would have memories of, um, driving there on Interstate 5, right? Rounding that, 
mm. you know, rounding that curve, curve and, and seeing see the, the dome. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, is I-5 up yet at that point? And the answer is that Interstate 5 is still sort of coming together as a single entity, but the Olympia Freeway portion uh, had opened in 58. So um, folks traveling any distance to the capital from, especially from the north or east, would not have almost certainly would not have been on interstate freeways the whole way. They would have been on 99 for a while or some other sort of uh, state highway or local highway, but they probably eventually would have found their way onto this shiny new band of interstate highway um, that would have given them that iconic um, memory. Those of us who come from the North and the East uh, have of seeing the Capitol as we round the curve um, on our way in on the interstate. So that's to put us in the frame of mind of a teenager in 62 um that's that's some generic stuff um but of course we're not we're not just talking about generic teenagers no although it's so interesting to think about the things that we kind of just imagine as always having been there yeah yeah like there you know our parents don't they haven't always had this freeway Mm -hmm. um so it's it's interesting to think like 60 years from now what will there be that feels like it's always been that will be like, ah, oh, back in my day. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, things like the light rail, maybe, right, will just feel right. like part that'll of just, that'll Seattle. That'll be old. Yeah. And people mm-hmm. won't be able be to classic. imagine. Yeah. Crazy. Right. Well, yeah. So you're right, though. Well, we picked this year um, predominantly because we have a bill book um, from 1962 that belonged to Linda, our, one of our executive directors from the early 2000s. Um, and we don't just have this bill book. Um, it's almost like a time capsule. It's full of page notes and handwritten little jotted notes and flyers you would have picked up at session and a copy of the Capitol Capers. And so it's 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 like a little time capsule. Yeah, I don't know any other better way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of makes me feel like we can almost experience session like it was back then. Mm-hmm. It's it's a much richer text for us to kind of dig into than than just having a bill book, which on its own is super True. cool. Yes, yeah. And so um, Linda was our executive director um, from 1999 to 2003. Um, and that's when we would have met her. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a delegation advisor um, as a teacher at a community college in Olympia also. Mm-hmm. Um, but so this bill book is hers from her senior year of high school. I don't know if that was her only year or if that was her fourth year. Um, But it's interesting to kind of think about what, who Linda was as a high school student, Mm -hmm. because we of course know her as an adult. For sure. Um, Following graduation, she went to Western and studied political science Mm -hmm. and eventually got a PhD in political science. So obviously politics either already was or became very important to her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. But my memories of Linda, I don't know. She just really, she had such a passion for people, I think. Yes. Um, and just a really great attitude and really, like, found things in people to, like, push them and inspire them and, like, help them to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she was um, she was a, a lady of definite opinions. Um, like, I, yeah, yeah. I, like, I remember in that era, um, a number of things changing about the program and that being a little hard, at least for me as a, as a young advisor, um, because in my world, things had quote, always been the same. Always been that way. Part yep. of this reflection series we're doing now, I think is going to help remind us how much that's not at all true about YAG in any way. Um, but I remember it was a sort of stretching time for me a little bit to, to realize that, um, we were in good hands with Linda, not that every decision she made was was right or perfect necessarily but that like she had been around the program in a different era and in a way that that let her know like yeah this uh it can take the change right it's the change will be good for it um yeah and she was just such a fun person like that's my memory of linda is just throwing her head back laughing big beaming smile um I don't remember how many people she gave nicknames to, but she gave me a nickname, I remember. I was J-Rowe. I was J-Rowe. She called me J-Rowe all the time. Um, I don't know why. Maybe it was just that she kept having to differentiate between me and the other James, who was a lead advisor back then. Um, Oh, okay. uh, But 
but yeah, for whatever reason, she always called me J-Ro, which I, and she, and she would say it and then she would laugh a little bit. So I think she always found it a little funny. Um, I don't remember if she had given me the nickname, but she certainly latched onto it. So I have fond memories, huh. fond memories of Linda yeah. and fun memories of Linda. And I think she would have been kind of a, a kick to be in youth ledge with. Like, I think senior year Linda would have been fun to hang out with in 62. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so I think we've mentioned her before mm-hmm. on the podcast, but um, unfortunately, Linda passed away. Um, she had cancer. Um, mm-hmm. She died in 2010. Um, and I think the last line of her obituary that I found online does kind of sum it up. She was a doer and not a dreamer mm-hmm. and expected the same of others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's I think I think you can see that in this bill book of hers. There's notes everywhere. Um, she was a reporter. And she just, she kept all sorts of things and she kept notes on things that you wouldn't think you needed. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that she took her role really seriously, but also had a lot of fun. Um, So we'll start the cover of this bill book. Uh, It's excellent. You and I, we're suckers for good covers. I think this one says space age citizens. It's so good. Um, We need to bring back the era of the like garish, Graphic design. Pencil art. Yes. Graphic, yeah. Um, <laughs> this has the Space Needle on it. And I think, well, what I know of is Key Arena. Older people will think of it as what? The Coliseum? Yes. Um, it was the Pavilion, I think, back in... For the World's... For the for World's the, Exposition. For I think you're 21. right. I think you're right. And, you know, you young people today think of it as Climate Pledge Arena. So... Wow. Um, wow. But it was new then, and so it made the cover of the bill book, Um, and it's just really cool. Uh, Session was three days long. Mm. Um, It started on a Thursday and went to a Saturday. So somewhere in the intervening time before we arrived in the 90s, they added a day. I think this year students would like to add a day, and there's just no no more days to add, I feel like. (laughs) Well, (laughs) even in our youth, like... um... Wednesday was a day, but it was a day on which very little business was transacted. Yes. And that, that has yes. changed, too, which we'll talk about yes. and at so, some point when we get to that era of the program. So this, well, we're going to talk about it right now. Oh, okay, good. With you. Um, at it. the top of the schedule, um, just in the typewriter font, because everything was done on typewriters back then, <sighs> no word processors. It says, ours is a tight time schedule. Let's all plan and be on time for every meeting or appointment. <laughs> but yeah thursday uh 10 a.m to 3 p.m is registration housing and information and so you oh you'd have goodness. to register that early to, to find out where you were staying in olympia because you, we would go there back in the 60s even mm-hmm. when we were there in the 90s you'd go and you didn't know where you were staying basically um so you'd have to get your address of some house in olympia and then you'd have to go find it mm. um so they built in that time to go find your host home so linda's note is found house and ate and stuff <laughs> Mm-hmm. on the schedule there mm-hmm. um but there was um other things of note there was uh, the capital organist was in concert from 1 to two thirty on the south balcony mm. um but then yeah 3 p.m is really when everything starts and what it looks like it starts with is um orientations but they don't call them that but all of the senators and representatives instead of being together for any sort of training are in the temple of justice at a supreme court panel discussion wild um i know super fascinating um the rest of them are um maybe that's when they were they're just kind of grouped is that when they were training the rostrum like in the chamber or something like that um i think so they had the governor lieutenant governor speaker and the house and senate officers together in a room they had the committee chairman vice chairman and secretaries they had committee secretaries oh my goodness what a thankless job in a room um there were wise secretaries and club advisors Youth lobbyists, pages, and reporters. Hmm. They all had somewhere to be at three. And then um, the the House and Senate officers would meet separately to plan organizational session at four. And then Senate organizational started at five. Hmm. So hmm. they had, you know, half an hour to learn their roles <laughs> for that. Um, and while Senate org was happening, the House members only were eating dinner in the cafeteria and then they swapped and then the house had their organizational and the senate and everybody else ate dinner in the cafeteria wild and then they have opening joint at seven which linda noted on her her schedule attended 
So I wonder if some people didn't. I don't even know. Um, it's fascinating. But the governor at the time um, addressed the opening joint session. And following that, they had committee meetings for an hour. That night? Organizational sessions, it says, of committee meetings. Okay. And so... Um, Elinda appears to have gone to the House Judiciary third floor. So that was the House had the Judiciary Committee for the House had its own dedicated room off the wings of the House floor. Interesting. And then after that, there was a get acquainted party for an hour. Mm-hmm. And then you went to your Olympia home by 11 p.m. Wow. So you would drive all the way to Olympia and you'd be out until 11 p.m. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um... And you still wouldn't the have Friday. really done anything. Like, no, no meaningful legislative business has been translated. Nothing nothing significant. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, opening joint session, they would have heard some speeches. I think they probably would have met some people, um, gotten some a little bit of training, kind of wandered around the building, gotten the tour, things like that. Huh. Um, but then Friday morning committee sessions are from 9 a.m. to 1.45 p.m. Wow. And during that time, the governor has scheduled conferences with various groups. Um, like the lobbyists or um, apparently legislative committee chairman, which makes no sense to me if the committee meetings are happening. So I'm just super curious about that. These are meetings with the youth governor or with the governor? The youth governor. The youth governor, yeah. The youth governor is, and then the youth governor holds a press conference, which I think that's maybe where this comes from on our schedule, where we always used to have it scheduled. Traditionally, there was the Friday press conference. Yeah, and it never made much right. sense that it was that late in the session. But I guess this is why yes. it was a relic of this era. It was on a Friday, but it was on Friday when committee meetings were on Friday. Wild. Yeah. Um, and her note here on the schedule is um, pretty sharp football player for the governor's press conference. <laughs> <laughs> have have fun Uh, linda (laughs) i know super great um and so then they had lunch in the cafeteria again so it seems as though all the meals are happening on site um and provided for them yeah i um i mean i don't know where it makes sense for me to feather in but like um i did a little digging into some of that meal stuff is this an okay time to talk about it sure yeah well um i was thinking to myself well what was olympia like like i've you know the Interstate had just gone in. Well, what was Olympia like in the 60s, in the early 60s? Um, Mm, And apparently Olympia was really, up until the early to mid 60s, still kind of a mill town. So there would have been maybe, depending, I I couldn't find exact dates. There could have been as many as three working paper mills down on the waterfront. So I just don't think that walking downtown for lunch, I mean, Forget the farmer's market, but like, I, I just right. think that it would have been a really different s- little city at that time, right? The, mm-hmm. It would have been a much more industrial space down that direction. A group of, you know, teenagers in suits walking downtown for lunch. I, I just can't really see that. I don't know for sure, but it strikes me that that wouldn't have been really practical. And so, yeah, I, well, I think the meals in the cafeteria makes cafeteria. sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the cafeteria was in the central room, like right under the seal. Like, what was it? The Columbia room now? That's what we call the Columbia room Um, now. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the cafeteria up until when we were students. I remember eating in there. Me too. Um, with its little whisper spot where everyone could hear you in the whole room. (laughs) So funny. But yeah, I don't know why Um, they made it the cafeteria or whether, like, was it always intended to be a cafeteria with that kind of a domed ceiling? I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting, yeah. but um, they were they were broken up into groups for lunch as well um, by committee. So mm-hmm. certain committees would recess for forty five minutes for lunch. Um, Linda wished they'd give you more. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> it was. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't enough apparently. Stu- Yag um, students have but... hated the conference provided food ever ever <laughs> since ever. the dawn of time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, the second lunch though is scheduled to lead up right until the time when. They return to committee. They're no longer able to consider bills and have to go to executive sessions, which is, I think is a really interesting scheduling situation hmm. that half of the committees get a second chance after lunch to wrap things up and half of the committees wrap it up, go to lunch, come back for executive session, and they don't allow outsiders in for that. Yeah. Um, hmm. I have a note somewhere in here, not written by Linda, typed 
um, by someone who I actually can't find their name on the roster. So I'm, I'm questioning whatever this is, but he says that um, the House and Senate don't go into session till three, and now all committees are in executive session, which means no outsiders allowed. I wish I had brought a book. <laughs> um, and so I think they really did like lock everybody out, and it was just the committee members hmm. deciding the order of their bills. Um, well, and, and and they had, go ahead. Well, just speaking of the the spaces too that they're in, like once they've been moved out of the committee rooms. Um, you observed, I, I think you made some notes about like where the committee rooms were and mm, they're mm-hmm. all in the ledge building, right? They are. Yeah. They're up on the fourth floor, like around the galleries. Mm-hmm. Those, what are they? Office rooms now? They're little. I think they're they are big. little conference rooms and things. Yeah. 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 Like it's the buildings we now call O'Brien and Sherbrook were there. They had been built in the late thirties, early forties as part of the campus master plan. I think. Think, and they were office buildings, I believe. They, yeah, I think it, they they had always played that function of being like legislative office space and things. They didn't have the names um, Sherberg and O'Brien um, yet. No, Sherberg and O'Brien were the current lieutenant governor and speaker of the house. <laughs> exactly, which it's is just so bananas to me that all these names that we just think of as being there forever. Mm-hmm. These are people we we could have known. I mean, they were right. Active and Linda alive probably in government. shook the hand of one of these people. <laughs> in well, passing. I mean, Sherberg was at session for something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, you know, delving into trying to find information from the 60s mm-hmm. because we weren't around then. I found uh, someone with a memory who had posted it online. They worked for the Democratic um, Party of like some county. Mm-hmm. They said, I participated in state youth legislature in high school many years ago. Um, as I walked around the rotunda this Friday night at the reception, I was flooded with memories from 50 years ago, shaking hands with Governor Rossellini, meeting with Lieutenant Governor Sherberg about fair housing, mm-hmm. and demonstrating with fellow youth legislators for civil youth legislators for civil rights on the Capitol lawn. Yeah. So it seems to me like there was a lot more interaction with these people who now have buildings named for them. I, I think you must be right. I separately, digging through the old 60th anniversary pamphlet, found a memory from some alumni who had submitted it now admittedly he wasn't there in 62 his senior year was 61 but still i mean he like one of the things he mentioned is remembering the fun of getting dialogue with elected representatives and senators and i'm just thinking man Mm -hmm. the rare times that ever happens for us now we just think of as like amazing moments and apparently it was kind of routine once upon a time and it's sort of a shame that that's changed. I don't know how, why that's changed, but it, it certainly has. Yeah, you know, I think, I mean, it looks to me like this session, the governor was there, lieutenant governor was there. Um, there are all sorts of real life people of different government entities who served as technical advisors mm-hmm. and like went to committee meetings and were there to, to help the youth if they needed information. Mm. The state library invited students to come. Like there's a letter in here saying, come use our services here's what we have to offer um Hmm. and i think like i mean give now we have the internet we can find lots of information on our own Mm -hmm. but and so back then the only way you got info i guess was to talk to people and to meet with librarians and things like that but it Mm -hmm. still is so interesting to see the like level of commitment from adults and like the respect that the students got from them Mm -hmm. like as almost as equals i guess yeah yeah. It seems worth, um, we worth don't know noting for, sure. for um, our younger listeners that um, the building, the library that's issuing that invitation um, is the building that's back sort of betw- in the gap between mm-hmm. O'Brien and Sherberg that um, it's called the Pritchard. Now. It's now the Pritchard building. Yeah. The library's in there still, I think, at least it was once upon a time. Um, um, it might and be. And it's been a cafeteria it space. It's, it's been it's been used yeah. for a lot of different things over the last 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like, all just while we're talking about names of buildings and things, Sid Snyder, mm-hmm. the road that you drive in to get to the Capitol campus. Yeah. Do you know who Sid Snyder is? He was a state senator. We He was there when when we were there. <laughs> well, in my mind, he's like this big old head honcho. I don't know. I mean, I haven't looked that much into him, but he's listed in the bill book as, like, a very active adult in our program. He's the assistant chief clerk of the House in 1962. Oh, um, he was a long, long-serving member of the legislature in many different roles, um, 
good at reaching across the aisle kind of a guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the road, though, was named after him, I think, in like the late 80s, early 90s. I think it was after um, our... I think we were already down there as students. I think I remember the road having a different name. Oh, okay. Well, I could be wrong on that. That's for old business another time. That will be old business Um. another time. Yes, Snyder started as an elevator operator in the Capitol building and managed to make his way all the way up to state senator, which is a heck of a ride, I think. (laughs) And he was also, I believe, a grocery store owner in like Aberdeen or something like that. Fantastic. Okay, cool. I know. Just super fascinating. Yeah. Um, Back to that schedule we were talking about. Yes. They don't start considering bills in the Senate and the House until 3 p.m. on Friday. They get two and a half hours. Bonkers. Before they before they take a little recess for the legislative banquet. Utterly wacky. Which was at a church in downtown Olympia. So it seems as though they have an hour to be done with session, get dressed for the banquet and ball, and get back to downtown Olympia. I wonder if it's the church that hosted our speeches during one of the it was earthquake years. Oh, okay. You've done your homework. This, the church that... Well, the church that hosted our speeches was right on... Oh, it's the one kitty corner from the Capital campus. Way. Yeah, 11th. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, this one was down on Legion um, and like 12th or something. Oh. It's the First Methodist Church. I believe it still is the First Methodist Church. Oh, okay. Um, and then the um, the ball was at the Rotunda. And um, we don't know why it stopped being at the Rotunda, but at this point in history, it was. Yes. And there was a concert by the Capitol organist at it for an intermission. Boy, the Capitol organist didn't miss a chance at Youth Did Ledge. Did not. Um, Way to go. And then, of course, at your Olympia home by what time? Oh, I don't know. Midnight? <laughs> 1 a.m. <laughs> um <laughs> Back at the Capitol the next morning, 9 a.m. Oh. And you need to have checked out of your Olympia home before leaving Oh, and, and loaded all your bags onto the bus or loaded whatever. Loaded all your stuff oh into goodness. whatever vehicle you're riding in. Yeah, you got eight hours. Heavens. They have session from, it looks like, 9 a.m. until 2.30 p.m. And they have half-hour breaks for lunch. Again, staggered Senate and House. Okay. So a predominant amount of their legislative activity is happening on Saturday, um, which is very interesting. Um, and there is a time marked on the schedule when they need to be considering bills passed by the other house. And then there's a time on the schedule when they can only consider bills from the opposite house. And no wonder it's still this relic in the program that there is a specified time on Saturday when we switch to opposite house, which these days is mm-hmm. just basically the moment you start because there's no time on Saturday. But in an era yeah. when more than two thirds of your debate times on Saturday, of course, they had to set a time during the day to start hearing opposite house. Yeah, and then um, closing joint happens, and then everyone leaves at 3.15. Mm. Um, and, of course, on the schedule, it says, and safety pays, be careful going home. <laughs> um, nice. <laughs> just, I love these little things nice. like this. Um, it's interesting, though, you note that whole, like, adoption of the rule of, like, a set time for bills to be considered. Yeah. Um, there's no rules of order in this bill book. This is right. This is right before the change, right? Well, the next year's bill book has at the front of it before all the bills a resolu- a, a concurrent resolution adopting uniform rules for our program. And so I wonder if they didn't actually have a uniform set of rules and the following year they did have them. Like if they were in, in the works and being ready to be adopted. The number of sessions here, remind me, Anna, this is about the 14th or 15th session? This is the 15th youth ledge. Okay. So that's a that's how long it took for them to realize, crud, we need our own rules and not just reads. Yeah, I think so. Interesting. All right. Well, we'll move along. That was the schedule. Um, jam-packed. Jam-packed. These people must have been so tired. And lots of coordination of movement, like making sure there's room in the cafeteria. But this was not by our modern standards, that big a conference, right? I guess it depends on what we consider to be modern. Um, it's 300 people. 300 is not bad. 300 I people. Um, I found an article in the Arlington Times from 
May of 1962 that mentioned there were 300 members. The issue of the Capitol Capers in tucked inside this bill book does confirm it's 302 delegates. Interesting. 159 girls, 143 boys, huh. two foreign exchange students. Two foreign exchange students who are included in the uh-huh. uh, tally of boys and girls, I think. Included in the tally of girls and boys, they, yes. Yeah. Um, one from Switzerland, one from North Germany, I believe. Huh. So I think comparable to certainly some years we experienced as young advisors. Mm, mm-hmm. um, not as large as ever, but I mean a fair amount of people imagining housing all these people and transporting all these people and feeding all these people. Crazy. Yeah. Finding, finding news articles has been interesting and challenging. It has. We've found only two, I think, that referenced this particular year. Um, the one you just mentioned from the Arlington Times that, did, did it say much more than that? Or was that about it? No, it based that's basically like, and this happened. Kids went to yeah. the The slightly more detailed and only slightly more detailed article is from the West Seattle Herald. Um, the headline is "High Y Members Are Successful at Youth Legislature." Um, these high Y, so these we've talked about high Ys before, right? These are YMCA affiliated yeah. school based programs. Yes, and so West Seattle's particular high Y had sent, um, they give the names of, I think, five delegates and the name of a youth secretary who accompanied the local delegation, whose first name was Chet, Mm -hmm. which just struck me as so 1962. I don't think I've ever met anyone named Chet. Um, But but (laughs) between these five uh, students from the West Seattle um, Highway, though, they did pretty well. They had three bills. Um, Two of them were signed by the youth governor. Um, So, you know, Hats off yeah, to the West Seattle, uh, West Seattle Y. Incredible. Good job. And bravo. Newsworthy even. Bravo, yeah, bravo that somehow they managed to get into the West Seattle Herald. Goodness only knows how. Um, we're not as good at that these days. Well, speaking of the bills of the West Seattle delegation, um, yeah. shall we talk a bit about bills and bill movements at the 62 Ledge? We can. Um, There was one thing I wanted to mention that just kind of tickled me that I forgot to about the schedule and I just glanced at it. Um, Linda circled the um, time of the legislative ball in 9 to 11.30 p.m., but she wrote, went to show. So I think she took in a double feature at the movies (laughs) instead of attending the ball. Um, (laughs) I googled the the titles of the the shows and their movies from 1961. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. What did she see? She saw second time around and cry for happy. You know, I hope she had a great time. Wild, well, wild I mean, that you were alive. Why would she write then? about it if she didn't? <laughs> I guess that's a good point. Um, yeah, I kind of don't know how transportation worked back then. They must. Have I think they perhaps cars. transported themselves. They must have. I know that whole clubs didn't come. That like you were selected from your highway mm-hmm. to represent the group. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's possible that access to transportation would have been part of that selection process crazy um but yeah let's talk about bills in this bill book um the tucked in here is a flash calendar from saturday of session for the senate and so um flash calendars is what they should be called we tend to these days refer to them as dockets yeah um it's just a list of the bills that are coming up for that day like the schedule of bills for the day and so I was able to see what it was that they were working on. Um, I sent you a list, James. Um, We've had a chance to look at a couple. Fascinating. Um, I have, of course, read all of the bills in this bill book. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have further insights. But yeah, let's let's talk about them. The top one was Senate Bill 1. Senate Bill 1. The first bill up there is SB 1, an act relating to the abolishment of four or five-way stop signs. And (laughs) And I thought, What? Okay, so there's going to be some explanation for, like, maybe this person's a big roundabout fan, right? Like, or maybe there's funding for stoplights or something. So then um, I asked if you wouldn't mind sending me an image of the bill, and you sent it. And the text of the bill Mm -hmm. reads that four-way stops at intersections be unlawful. No four-way stops shall or should be used on county, state, or city roads or streets. (laughs) (laughs) yes it is a five line bill i believe my comment back to you was it's nice to remember the terrible bills are not only a feature of the the now but the good old days had plenty of lousy bills too because that one is rough how did that make it onto the floor well they're not (laughs) many of them are very 
<laughs> by by my standards, poorly written. Yes. Um, which made me think about the RCWs mm. because we just kind of take them for granted, I think. Yes. So I looked it up, and the RCWs um, were officially kind of, they began... Um, 1950. They were published in 1951, but apparently that first publishing was had a lot of like errors or inconsistencies or something. Mm -hmm. And so the years of 53 through 59 were spent like reorganizing, correcting, things like that. And so these delegates in 1962 probably wouldn't have been able to have reliable access mm -hmm. to correct RCWs or have a lot of experience using them or understanding how to read them or how to like refer to them. Um, I certainly imagine that there was a standard for drafting legislation because some of the bills in here are what I would consider to be written properly. Yeah. But I think it's probably like a lack of access and a, like communication being slower. Um, now, because the bill books in your hands, like you've seen much more of them I have, so you can correct me. Yeah. But the, the bills that I've seen from the 62 bill book, not one of them use an RCW number. Did you see the that numbering convention ever? Um, some of them use it properly. Oh, okay. Some of them use it improperly. Most of them don't use it yeah. at all. Even bills that I looked at and I thought, okay, that's a pretty sensible bill. That's not like the four-way stop bill. Still, there was no sign of an RCW number. So that's interesting. Yeah, they definitely, I mean, they definitely, there are some. There were a couple where the bills were much longer and they were written much, much more correctly. Like possibly the person who wrote them had an advisor or a connection to a legislator or must be a parent who was a lawyer exactly, or something like that. Yeah. yeah I was just going to um, say, unless you knew a lawyer or yeah. you had good access to a large public library. All right. I don't know. So I found one. Oh, okay. HB 21 is an act relating to the issuing of marriage licenses. Oh. And then it has the be it enacted clause. And then it says that RCW 26.04.180 be amended to read as follows. But then it doesn't have strikeouts and underlines, so I'm not sure what they're amending in this. It's just about being the resident of a county where you're applying for the license. Wild. Um, yeah, the ideas back then were, were wild sometimes. Like, just probably not wild for them, but for me, it's, like, weird. I mean, half the time that's totally true. There are some moments where you see what we always talk about, right? That youth ledge bills get out ahead of the real legislature. So like the bill right yes. under that four-way stop bill, I noticed SB 68, an act relating to safety belts and automobiles in the state of Washington. Yeah, I mean, the bill demanded uh, two safety belts in the front seats of private passenger automobiles manufactured after 1963, oh, January 1st, 63, mm -hmm. registered in the state. Which I thought was cool. It's a low bar <laughs> since it's just the front seats. Uh, yes. And uh, there's no attempt in the text of the bill to define things like safety belt or private passenger automobile. So I was kind of curious, like, what, you know, nowadays I think that would be the sort of thing that we'd get an instant conversation at Youth Ledge. But maybe then they didn't worry. Well, so my guess is that that bill was combined with a, a bunch of others. Um, there were several bills on, um, there was lots of bills on automobile safety and traffic mm. safety. Um, I'm assuming because of the rise in automobile travel and faster roads and things like that. A whole bunch of 16-year-olds just got their driver's licenses. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, I don't know that 16 was really when you got your license back then because there were some on like permitting that talks about getting your permit when you're 16. Oh, um, so I don't necessarily know the history of how old your typical new driver was, but there were several, several bills about safety belts. Mm. And I would guess that the Committee on Public Safety, that they probably got together and said, hey, let's smush these all together. And Gary was the lucky man who got his bill number. Probably Gary. Um, yeah. I mean, you're right that I... They were at least on top of the times, if not ahead of them. I don't know. Um, I read the whole bill book mm -hmm. and there was a lot. Um, well, I said a lot on traffic, vehicle safety, lots about public assistance, um, kind of from a judgmental standpoint, though, about people needing to earn it, mm -hmm. um, like working for 
manual labor for the county in order to like get their public assistance um lots of bills about scholarships for college but based on like moral character Mm -hmm. um (laughs) so it's just a different time back then but there were bills about fluoridating the drinking water yes um establishing minimum wage which the recommendation was for a dollar an hour um have no idea whether that was extravagant or not back then um Yeah, testing newborns for phenylketonuria. Oh. There were two bills about that, which apparently they do test babies for that now. It's routine, yeah. It's, yeah. it's routine. I don't know that it's a law, but it's something that they just do because if the baby has it, there's things you can do to prevent them from like being severely handicapped right. in their life and having a shortened lifespan. So. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the teens were definitely paying attention to what was going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, there are those bills that come up all the time, I think for us that we, we think we're being innovative. I cannot tell you how many bills there were about, um, testing drivers over the age of 65 <laughs> or 60 or 55, um, to make sure they still can operate a vehicle what, safely. The old people in the real legislature won't address this problem, Anna. This I guess. A, I mean, like, menace. Still, for, for, for 60 years, <laughs> students have been writing bills saying, hey, if you're over 60, you're not able to drive a car right, possibly. So, like, presume. the people who wrote these bills are now of an age. <laughs> to be targeted by them. <laughs> that... Anyway, and <laughs> who knows? Um, it's just one of those entertaining. Mm-hmm. I found someone wrote almost the exact same bill as I wrote my freshman year about foreign language in elementary schools. Wild. I know, super wild. Um, yeah, but uh, you had talked about wondering if they wrote joke bills. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't think so, except that I did find um, this one bill, um, Senate Bill 69. Yes. Um, that's, <laughs> I mean, it's just so silly that I don't, I mean, maybe I'm missing something. I'm going to pull it up in my bill book. Yeah. Because I don't want to get it wrong. Well. But the title is an act relating to place a bounty on porcupines. Yeah, I, I think I think somebody did get it wrong. <laughs> I And I don't know, were porcupines a large problem? Were there wild batches of porcupine running in, rampant? over In the... Everett? I think not. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So section one, that a bounty of 50 cents be paid for each right foreleg and paw from the rodent quadruped <sighs> species commonly called porcupine. Good grief. I know. The, I'm, the like... bounty may be collected at any office of the Washington State Forestry Department. So imagine yourself at the desk at a regional forestry <laughs> office. <laughs> and a bunch and get, like, of bloody stumps. A guy comes in with a bag that's like dripping. And you're just like, ah, oh, that bounty law. What a terrible thing. I don't know. That is, oh if it's not a joke, Bill, <laughs> it's a deeply misguided one. Um, The other one that I thought was really unusual but there were two of them so it I couldn't have been a joke mm-hmm. was for only medical doctors to practice hypnosis hypnosis was undergoing a real fad as a sort of psychological tool in that era um okay. that yeah it's it's it does seem really funny to us now but yeah that's an era in which there was a lot of a, a lot of very normal <laughs> Normal folks with normal ideas about science in the world would have told you that hypnosis was a, a pretty powerful, dangerous tool. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, there were lots of bills also about um, teaching communism and democracy. It was fascinating. And not always, um, not always stereotypical, too, if I recall. Like there were there were bills no. that were saying like, hey, we should learn about communism in order to fight it or something. It was very it was yes. very weird. Or like learn about all types, like fascism and socialism yeah. and communism and democracy, just from an informative standpoint, yeah. so that people would understand um, what was going on in the world. I think um, a few about um, civil defense, mm. um, like turning basements of schools into like civil defense rooms and like teaching students about civil defense and so mm-hmm. i don't i yeah i don't i i mean not you're you were right though not a lot of joke bills i, I mean i, I it, it's interesting to me i wonder when that phenomenon sort of takes off we'll just have to sort of trace it yeah. through through the years the other question i asked you was about memorials right i just wondered whether memorials were 
a tool used in that era much at all and yes. and um well <laughs> you 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 discovered some all things of the, <laughs> all of the bills have the heading an act all of them every single one an act so whoever was typing these i think just knew that the top of the bill was supposed to look like that and then they just started typing below yeah. um and again i think probably access to like educational resources about how to write bills was probably not super prevalent and so they're all kind of like a mishmash of mm -hmm. things mm -hmm. um there were there were several resolutions mm -hmm. and there were like three things that were called memorials or memoriams hmm. um the one that i think i sent you um the first one yeah it starts off saying an act relating to yes, bill hr 2056 of the united states house of reps mm -hmm. and then it below that says to the honorable john f kennedy so like they had some of the formatting but not all of the formatting um yeah. the youth governor though that year had three executive request bills mm -hmm. that were all resolutions interesting like i think that probably the students were more focused on state issues and local issues and how to mm -hmm improve our state experience and and thinking about things that matter inside of our state interesting um so yeah the memorials <laughs> one of them was to recognize sam rayburn who i'm not familiar with Haas rayburn yeah former speaker of the house um the federal house yeah um federal yes yeah i i thought it was really interesting even i mean the differences you've pointed out are really interesting um Another formal part of the memorial that is now just wrote for us is who the memorial is addressed to. But you sent me a couple of examples. And um, the first one is a memorial calling for um, the enactment of a House resolution that was already up in the U.S. House of Representatives, uh, 2056, mm -hmm. to create the North Cascades National Park. Um, yes. And it is directed to... John F. Kennedy, the Secretary of the Senate, the Clerk of the House, and the members of the Senate and House from the state of Washington, which is close to what we do. Oh. Although Secretary of the Senate and Clerk of the House is different than, um, I think we send it to the President of the Senate, or President Pro Tem of the Senate and, and Speaker, the Speaker of the House. Of the House. Um, yeah. By the way, since we're talking history, um, a... a <laughs> either 2056 passes or a very similar resolution does kennedy before his death does authorize an exploration of the creation of a national park and by the end of the 60s we have north cascades national park so the the youth were paying attention the other one you sent me they were the other one you sent me this memoriam um providing for the establishment of a permanent international science cooperation center um, <laughs> asking Congress yep. to establish the U.S. Science Pavilion at Century 21 Exposition as a permanent showcase for the United States efforts in the field of technological assistance to other nations. That's fun. It's just funny that at the bottom it just says, be it further resolved that copies of this memorial be immediately transmitted to the members of the U.S. Senate and House of Representatives from this state. They left Kennedy out of it. They didn't send it to any clerks. Oh. It was just funny um, that there wasn't yet consistency about that again or they just didn't know right <laughs> i think they probably didn't know and their advisors their you know club secretaries or whomever didn't know what to tell them um yeah another historical aside the um building they're asking to be made a permanent showcase for u.s technological assistance well it didn't quite come true but that is the pacific science center today which still does have a couple of the exhibits from the 62 exposition um, mm -hmm. and, uh, it does immediately, like, this is a bill from April of 62 at the end of 62 when the exposition closes, um, the, the science center starts operating, just maintaining the science exhibits in place initially, um, leasing the land for a dollar a year. So it wasn't congressional action that made the science center possible. And it's not exactly what Steve here um, from the Colonel Simmons highway, uh, was envisioning, but, uh, you know, Steve, you were, you were far thinking and so were other adults at the time. So it all worked out well. Oh, oh well, yeah. So that, I think that kind of wraps up our, our poking a bit of fun at the bills. Oh, loving fun though. <laughs> loving fun. I mean, they really, they were paying attention and they did have ideas. Some of their ideas were not great. Yep. You know, I mean, some of them are very, especially of the time, though, probably not, but very gendered, um, a bit judgmental. Um, 
but I think across the board it seemed like they did care about society and our country and people's experiences in it uh yeah so let's see what do I have in this bill book I have what would you like to talk about I have the capital capers issue I have a graph that seems to maybe have been prepared by I don't know a lobbyist or possibly just someone wanting to share information about a bill. I mean, I have page notes. I mean, you know I want the page notes. Our listeners will as well. <laughs> and I think let's take in the capital capers before we go. But but let's let's grab some okay, page notes. Okay, we'll do the page notes real yeah, quick. Yeah, let's do the page notes. Um so it's funny they haven't changed much like <laughs> people's practices of using them. I mean, excepting the last two years when we haven't had physical page notes people are always trying to find ways around the fact that you need to be doing official business in them Mm -hmm. um and so they'll write a bunch of social chatter banter whatever and then so how's that bill (laughs) (laughs) um what's really interesting is that the page notes they're not called page notes they're official memorandum washington state youth legislature and at the bottom it says for official legislative use only will not be delivered if folded Mm. So they can't be folded. Interesting. Um, but yeah, a couple of my favorites are um, Judy wrote to Linda, my bill passed something like 9414 or something similar. I'm so happy. I don't know if I see the governor or not. Steve will probably make some kind of arrangements. I hope I do get to go see him. I think he's pretty cute. I think he would be more for the bill if someone explained it to him. Don't you think so? <laughs> um, her bill was um, very small little wording about the veterans bonus tax taking some money from it for cancer research and it there was no there was no way to understand it based on how it was written so she is accurate she's right that the governor she's right would support it if someone explained it to him Um. it's conceivable he would it's taxes on cigarette packages i think it is yes Um, so good for Judy thinking in 62 that some of that money shouldn't go to veterans bonuses. It should go for cancer research. I, I, because you're buying cigarettes. I love that the the phrasing of the note is just confusing enough that I'm pretty sure she thinks the governor is cute and not Steve, whoever that is. Based on, based on the other notes, it seems as though people are excited about the governor. He's like a football player. <laughs> the governor that year was the sergeant at arms the year before. Oh. So there wasn't really a path to like dominance like there is now where you kind of step up through like committee chairmanship or a kind of other strong leadership roles. Sure, sure. Um, so uh, it was just, it's interesting. But yeah, this other note is like all over the place and I don't get it from Sue Thanks. Those cinnamon candies are really yummy. Do you want any licorice? Just wave and tell me, okay? I don't understand this bill up right now. Oh, well. (laughs) Did they get to eat candy on the floor of what? I think that Linda was in the Senate. So in the Senate? I don't know. Well, where is Linda sitting? Um, If she's a reporter, is she up at those? She might be sitting up in the front at the little... um, What is that? What did they call that? They used to call them like the bureaus or something like that. We're not being very descriptive for our listeners, so... I know. Up at the front of the Senate (laughs) floor, there's little tables off to the side. And I remember reporters and lobbyists, leaders, sitting at those tables as students. They were sort of allowed to be up there, sort of by assignment, it felt like. But I'm not sure what the purpose of it... Yeah, like, I I don't... You know, I just don't know. I have a page note here from Judy that says, Why do Don and Dan get to go? that's it i don't i don't know why it's a universal Sorry. cry of the human spirit judy why do donnie sue sue wrote again hi what are you what what you doing <laughs> write me a note please i'm beginning to feel left out isn't that neat i'm so glad that judy's bill passed hola como esta usted boy you're not kid uh you're not a kidding yo tambien i think i really know i'm getting tb it's like she's having a conversation with herself and we don't get to see the other side of it. That's so funny. I know. It's just so interesting. I don't I wonder, this is a silly theory, but I wonder if they're sitting next to each other at that bureau table. Um and... Sue wrote in another one that she was at seat sixteen. Oh, dang. Because I was imagining like you could if you were sitting next to someone, but you couldn't talk because like you're in chambers be writing oh, be writing on a piece of paper and they could be writing on a piece of paper and you could be basically talking to each other but i don't know 
That's true, yeah. Because otherwise, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Well, kids are the same, it sounds like, is the is the fundamental takeaway. And also maybe Governor Pete was cute, I think is another takeaway, clearly. Governor Pete might have been cute. Yeah. Here's the one that made me think like they were trying to get around something. It's from Judy again. Mm-hmm. I hope my bill passes. I'm sorry that Carolyn's bill didn't get out. I can't wait till tonight. I'm so excited. I even get to ride home with him in Shears' car? <laughs> Funsies. <laughs> are you going with anyone? What are your what are you what are your filing on Carolyn's bill? What are you filing on Carolyn's bill? Like <laughs> So this is a classic page note maneuver. This is the this is the yes. business sandwich, right? Something about a bill, yes. remarks about yep. some cute person you're interested in, something about a bill. And you just figure it'll slip yep. slip right on by. Underlined something about a bill. <laughs> I know. It's what I love is we can uh-huh. presume that the the answer from Linda is I'm not going to any dance. I'm going to catch a movie. Won't you come with me? <laughs> catch a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they were all going to catch a movie, and they were going in oh. Shear's car or Steve's car or whatever. I don't know. That's a funny question. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, okay, capital close capers. us out. We have to talk yes. about it. Um, it capital capers is what the newspaper was called up until the like early 2010s i That's think what those of us who know still call it in our hearts but yes if you google capital capers by the way you get a whole lot that's not our program. no it wasn't there's a pro- like comedy troops who do like legislative yeah. improv <laughs> i don't even know um, <laughs> that's what the gag paper is it's legislative it improv is. so the things i find interesting about this are i think they only produced a single issue given the timeline it covers opening joint session the governor's press conference and the dance so it which granted basically all happened in a single day Mm, but (laughs) um i think there's only one there are no bylines Mm. so we don't know who wrote what but based on the notes the handwritten notes in linda's bill book it looks like she got the first article um, which was about the um, opening joint session and what the youth governor and the governor had to say, which is delightful. Yeah. There's like a list of the reporters and there's like a thank you to everyone who helped them um, make the paper a success and the thanks to the person who printed and the person who typed the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, there was an article about the buildings out back. You mentioned the library. Yeah. Um, there was something about the sundial. It was interesting, like, who made it, I think. But at the last line is, when daylight saving time comes, it will be wrong. Or will we? <laughs> um, which I, <laughs> this, I don't know. I don't know why I'm just, I'm so delighted by these things. But you are. Um, I so, am. So I totally are our am. listeners, I strongly suspect. <laughs> there was an article profiling the youth governor mm-hmm. that lists his parents' names and their street address. <laughs> um <laughs> Which seems like a lot of information. Uh, they did. They published a lot of street addresses in the billboard. We, did, we uh, did some real identity theft uh, <laughs> support back then. Well, so I'm theorizing that it's for people to be able to correspond after session mm-hmm. and for people to be able to send thank you notes to adults who helped them. Mm-hmm. Um, if there was a collection of addresses, I'm guessing somebody thought, hey, this is probably a great way for the students to be able to stay in touch. They... Uh, Getting acquainted party I mentioned, um, apparently was a dance. There were refreshments, and many new and unique dances were observed during the course of the evening. Hmm. Um, so, like, they had like a a social on the first day. So there was a social with dancing, and then there was a ball with dancing. That's wild. Um, yeah. Um, the article entitled "Space Age Affairs." Uh, the theme of the banquet was space. And was decorated with pink cherry blossoms. The menu was Tom Turkey with all the trimmings. The ladies of the First Methodist Church planned and served the banquet. And so they thanked them. Mm-hmm. And the governor's ball was a semi-formal affair. And at the end of the dance, there was a mass of multiple colored balloons that were dropped from the balcony. Hmm. So... To, to find to, to wrap things up in a tidy little bow on the Capitol Capers, there is a, the last article is Did You Know? Uh-huh. It's full of randomness. The best 
three, I'm going to say. One of them is 99% is a quote. 99% of the time, it's the committee room that's lost, not the delegate. Mm-hmm. Um, which is just weird. <laughs> um, there's a reference to Elmer Gantry. Oh. Wikipedia tells me is a character in a 1960 movie. Yes. I'm imagining this was some sort of cultural phenomenon that made the delegates chuckle. Um, Must have been. It's lost on me. But what from our era would be lost on teens today? Hmm. Like, if I looked back at Capital Capers from when we were teens, I'm guessing there are things in there that teens today would be like, I don't understand. <laughs> it's weird. Um, but it just asks, is there an Elmer Gantry in the crowd? Like, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Is there? Um, and then the most, the most fascinating... Um, that a senator lost $15 playing cards and shooting dice last night. $15 was a lot of money. When the minimum wage is $1 an hour, maybe. Wasn't even $1. That was the hope. That, like, you could buy, you could pay for your driver's license for $2 was to get your driver's license. Yeah, that's like the modern equivalent of a kid losing a couple hundred dollars gambling at the governor's ball. yeah. Yeah, Jimmy came home and lost $200 gambling at the governor's ball. <laughs> and it was like, printed in you the know, paper. <laughs> the paper. I know. Um, Wild. So the Capital Capers, I'm always, I'm always entertained by. I, I know that our, our program is kind of leaning more towards the digital age that we're in, mm-hmm. but I, I will miss having these little time capsules. We're going to have to print these things out. The thing is, all these little things... Uh, remind us of how much things are different and and how much things are the same, right? Because some of it is like, oh gosh, yeah, that's such a universal thing. But other things, like that joke about the sundial and daylight savings time, like literally daylight savings time was new. Like Mm -hmm. it had either started in 61 or it was about to start for the first time, like literally that weekend. I think that might be true because the voters passed it in the 60 election for us. It was it was not oh, it was okay. not national yet. Only a handful of states had it. It was a really close vote, um, but it's it's like things like that where you go, gosh, yeah, like for them at the time, like a daylight savings time joke was a real hoot, right? In the way that a joke about like TikTok, <laughs> I guess, or something now would be funny, um, right? And then you know, yes, all the quarantine jokes we're right, having these 10, days. 15 years pass, and already that would have seemed like a little weird. And now, of course, like. Like, you're joking about the sundial and daylight savings time. Like, how is that even really a joke? But, yeah, like, these these are these are really cool glimpses of, yeah, a time when just the things we take for granted, like you were saying about the freeway. Some of them were the same then as now, but so much of it was different in ways that would be really kind of amazing to us if we were there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you took well, us on this little time machine, Anna. This was fun. I I know I am I'm a time traveler now. Um, hopefully, there's still a couple people still listening oh, at this point. Oh, or if you were trying to get to um, sleep, man, I think we sealed the deal for you. So so congr- congratulations. Uh, but if you enjoyed this little walk down memory lane, um. It, the next time around, I think we'll talk about one that, you know, we were at and have stories Good from. Good idea. Um, I have in mind a year. Mm. We'll discuss. Um, okay. But we'll have to see what we can unearth from from a different era. From Anna's dorky vault. Anna's, Anna's dorky vault? Well, yeah, it's Anna's dorky mm. fun, right? That was, that was during the regular season. So Anna's sure. vault of dorky fun? I don't know. I think it's more of like a mystical vault. Ooh. I'll I'll yeah. go with mystical. That's that's better than dorky. I'll pull things pull things from the way back. Cool. Um, so hopefully you've enjoyed this and um, would let, be interested in joining us again. Um, and we'll do this a few times before we get going with possibly some sort of consistent fall program. Although it remains to be seen what kind of time commitment we'll be able to make. So much depends on whether we'll all be quarantined again. Oh my Since, goodness. Well, that's how this yes. podcast was born, right? As we were cooped up on it our homes. I know. We are one of the many people who started a podcast during the <laughs> It quarantine. was that or sourdough, folks, and Anne already has a starter. I did so both. <laughs> I did both. Yep. Um, so if you 
want to hear about anything in particular, like we said before, um, please do send us a message at yagandrecreation at gmail.com. Um, we look forward to hearing from you. Uh, we can't promise we'll be able to talk about what you want to hear about, but between the two of us mm. and our love for talking, mm-hmm. there's a lot we can cover. Yes, indeed. Any other announcements, James? No, I think just we we hope that this persuades you to make Yag and Recreation a, a more regular part of your routine, and uh, we're glad you're around. Join us next time for more Yag and Recreation. Thank you for listening to this episode of Yag and Recreation, an Up Till 2 Productions podcast. Yag and Recreation is co-written and co-hosted by my sister, Anna Hazen, and by me, James Rosenzweig, and edited solely by the multi-talented Anna Hazen. Thanks also go to Tanum Fotheringo, our program and coolness consultant, to Jeff Hazen for composing and recording our introductory music and providing on-call technical support, and to Ben and Sam Hazen for additional incidental music and fully artist work. We'll see you next week. And that's all for today.